Formerly from Ukraine, now from the United States, that was a group called Fata Morgana, and lead man was Alexei Kerekesha, and a song called Nichai, and uh, that is a song about a uh, Cossack from times of old who met with an unfortunate fate, as so many did, but he was still heroic, and several centuries later, they're still singing about him. His name, again, is Nichai, performed by Fata Morgana. Vitaju vas vsih šanovni radio sukači na radio predaču naš holas radio krinskoho korinja na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Pri mikrofoni Pavina Makori, djakuju što ve bila sukačama srednji večeri, tari šele perebuta zimnoju nastupnu hodinu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Hollis Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paulette Demchuk-McCory, Pogadiske Pavlina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you. Lots of news from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine Today, about recent developments, which are quite momentous, apparently, uh, hopefully, uh, for the better as well. And we've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a song that is a little bit more current than the one that opens the show. This is by Vasel Honcharsky, and it is called Chorinohora, Black Mountain. Hey, 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 hey,
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is a bi-weekly series sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, featuring stories of Ukrainians and Jews working together in solidarity and harmony to restore and strengthen centuries-old bonds and affinities nearly destroyed by hostile outside forces in the bloody 20th century and even today. Tune in next week for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Now, the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. Militants used mortar fire over Avdiivka in Donbass. The city became a hotspot again in the ATO zone. For the past 24 hours, Ukraine's ADO headquarters have recorded a significant rise in militant attacks. Russian proxies have fired upon Ukrainian positions more than 20 times. The most intensive fire seen was from the Donetsk region, in and around the areas of Zaitseve and Avdiivka. In Luhansk region, Novozvanivka and Novoalexandrivka also became active areas. In these areas, enemy forces were mainly shelling from armored personal carriers, which had snipers on board, aiming at Ukrainian soldiers. The Minsk deal is planning to get three areas in the ATO zone demilitarized in the near future. According to the signed deal, parties should pull out both military and personnel equipment. Operations on withdrawing troops have already started in Luhansk region. But in the long run, there are four more sites which could be demilitarized. However, no one is specifying whether it will be in Luhansk or Donetsk region. The new framework agreement signed in Minsk on September 21st provides three villages where both party troops are to be withdrawn. Stanitsa Luhanska and Zolote in Luhansk region and Petrovska in Donetsk region. Referring to the agreed procedure, the parties should identically withdraw their troops one kilometer away from their current positions. This will create a neutral zone of two kilometers in length and breadth, being four square kilometers. They won't see each other, either through binocular or sniper rifles. These are very distant areas. It's all about being humanitarian. 
However, a two-kilometer distance cannot guarantee ceasefire in this area. For up-to-date weapons, this is not a big distance. Two kilometers one way, two kilometers the other. The troops' withdrawal will be monitored by the OSCE and a joint mission on controlling a ceasefire. The conditions for its implementations are simple. There should be seven days of a complete ceasefire in these designed areas. However, the front line is not uniform everywhere, so it will be hard to observe the outline skin. If the experience is successful, the parties will switch to demilitarization of other parts of the front line. At the same time, any arrangements with Russia are always shaky. Ukraine's interior ministry is waiting for an official confirmation from Russia about Evgeny Zhilin's death, the leader of the pro-Russian organization Oplot and a militant unit fighting in Donbass. His colleague Andrei Kozarev, who also went with him to the restaurant, was seriously injured and later hospitalized, appears to be fighting for his life. Russian media reported on Zhilin's murder yesterday evening. According to them, a gunman was waiting for his victim in the restaurant Vitirok. Police assume the killer was not a professional. Till the very last moment, he didn't know about his target because he was waiting for a phone call, probably to confirm the victim. Outside the restaurant, a car with the driver was waiting for the gunman. The latest version of his killing is said to be business motives. Evgeny Zhilin was an aggressive Euromaidan opponent. With the start of Russian hybrid war in Ukrainian Donbass, Zhilin's plot transformed into Kremlin-backed military brigade. Ukrainian law enforcement organizations seek to detain Zhilin, blaming him for various crimes against Euromaidan supporters in Kiev and Kharkiv. He's also on the international wanted list since July 2015. Two Ukrainians, Yuri Suprun and Volodymyr Zemjugov, were freed from captivity in Luhansk region. One of the prisoners had heavy injuries, lost hands and eyes after a mine blew up. The prisoners' exchange was constantly being disrupted until the scheme for four Russians for two Ukrainian prisoners was agreed upon. Volodymyr Zemjugov had been held hostage for a year. He was captured in Luhansk region when he decided to go into the occupied area to pick up his mom's belongings from her house. He said he had no idea it was so easy to trip a mine. Without